Aloha. It is the Emily T. Gale Talk Story show here on YouTube and on uh, Emily T. Gale Talk Story on Podomatic and SoundCloud. And we're in Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii. It's the weekend of the Ironman, 40th year. Those helicopters are probably uh, NBC testing their camera angles. And I am delighted to have with me John and Judy Collins, the co-founders of the Ironman, and their daughter, Kristen Collins. They're going to be heading over to the Carbo Party, which is behind the King Kamehameha Kona Beach Hotel, where we are right now. And uh, it's going to, it, the whole weekend is very exciting. Then thousands of athletes, 2,500 will be towing the starting line. I think when we did it back in 1981, there were just, what, about 300? Yes, people. Yes. So, but the Ironman was started back in 1978. You know, there's been, I, I think John says it best when he calls it the myth regarding Ironman that has been perpetuated for years, and I've probably been one of those people that perpetuated it. So, John, I'm going to kind of turn this over to you to kind of give us a start and talk about what you'd like our viewers and listeners to know about the Ironman, that it really wasn't a bunch of guys in a bar having a challenge. I'm going to turn most of it over to Judy because she was the one that was doing the detailed things there. I was just sort of on the periphery of the, the whole thing. Uh, the myth was created because I didn't know what I was doing when people interviewed me. I might ask you to go a little louder because of the helicopters. Okay. okay. The, the myth was created in part because I didn't really know what I was doing when people interviewed me. When they asked me questions, I tended to answer them without regard to whether or not that really told the story properly. And I gave no one credit except for myself. They asked questions like, how did this happen? And I would say, well, there I was, and I did this, <laughs> and I did that, without regard to the fact that there was a whole other table of people that had been involved in all of this. Um, so that, that's sort of what created it. So this year, we're trying to get the record straight. Uh, doesn't mean that the people that wrote up the story all these years got it wrong deliberately. It was just they didn't have all the information. So Judy was at the other end of the table discussing uh, actually the details of a long-distance triathlon to be an event for the Waikiki Swim Club and the, and the Mid-Pack Roadrunners Club. Pick it up, Judy. Well, we had just run around the island on the Oahu Perimeter Relay, and this was the night that we were picking up the awards, and we thought we were hot stuff. We'd all done best times on every split of the 140 miles around the island, and we were trying to come up with another event that favored the older long-distance athletes rather than the younger sprinters. And we had decided it would be based on our two favorite long-distance events, the Waikiki Roughwater Swim and the Honolulu Marathon, and we wanted to connect those with a bicycle leg and couldn't decide how to do it. And John heard bicycle and spoke up to say, I just read an article about... Eddie Merckx who at the time was the world's best bicyclist and had been measured with the highest ability to process oxygen of anyone they'd ever measured. And so John decided to tell us about it. And it was a little off topic, but 
it was about bicycles. And when he heard that we were talking about a bicycle leg of a triathlon, he got up from where he was sitting, talking with a run friend and a swim friend, walked around, sat, sat next to me, and made the case that the best way to connect those two events was to go clear around the island of Oahu as we had just done on foot the week before. And, and let me tell you, sitting on a bicycle seat, doing something where we had run hard, seemed really easy. Uh, and I first said, but some people have never ridden over 100 miles on a bicycle. Kristen and Scott and I, I mean, Kristen and John and I and Michael had all done it. And John said, I think it will be easier for people to bicycle than it will be to have do a rough water or a double rough water. And he said, it would just reduce the numbers if we made the swim longer. Let's have a long bicycle leg. Anybody who has a bicycle can ride a bicycle. So. Well, you know, we really have to go back to, I mean, you were all sitting at a banquet, right, of another event. No, no, it, oh, wasn't, was, okay. it wasn't a banquet. Okay. It was a Monday night. It was just to hand out the awards and the T-shirts, which had been delivered late for okay. an event that was a week before. The only talking on any stage that night was to hand out 84 awards and someone from each team had to be there and some people weren't because we found out years later when we uncovered our papers it was valentine's day so okay. a lot of people i think i forgot what event the awards were for the oahu perimeter 140 mile relay foot race okay. and, right. and what we're doing here is we're dispelling a a myth that went on for years, and I know when, when Pooh and I came to do the Ironman, and we worked with Valerie very closely, and people from the Ironman came to Detroit to observe how we did things in Detroit, we were always perpetuating that myth of a whole bunch of people sitting in a bar and conjuring up this event. And John, I think you say it best, was when somebody called and interviewed you, it was kind of good copy. I mean, who would have guessed 40 years ago when you were telling that story that it'd be 40 years later and this would have become yeah. one of the biggest <laughs> events in the well, world owned by a company in China with events all over the right. world. Well, it happened that the location is what threw everybody off. The sponsor of all the running events in Oahu was the Primo Brewery. And they also had an outdoor place, much like this one at the King Camp, that was uh, an opportunity for all community organizations to have a really inexpensive place to hold meetings and even parties. We had been there a lot of times at parties and in the middle of the day, but this time it was not a party. It was an awards handout on a workday Monday night. And, and let's just talk a little bit about what that myth was for so many years. And as I say, I perpetuated it. We did in, in the stories we told, but John? Actually, I, uh, I said that I got, I got up and I made this announcement. And actually, I did, in fact, step up on the blue stage and I made the announcement. But so far, we haven't been able to find anyone who's heard it. I came back and stuck, stuck my mouth next to Judy's ear and said, I just said the following. And I said what I had said. So I know he made the announcement because he told me that. But it was so very noisy, Emily, that he had humped his hand over my ear. And my reaction was, but 
we're not going to say a word about this until October at the Waikiki Swim Club Annual Banquet. And I didn't say a word to John. I never told John that I did not hear him because I thought he had let the cat out of the bag. And then I realized it was like having that helicopter overhead. Yeah. It was so loud, nobody could have heard and, an announcement. And how did that, that myth or that, uh, let's call it good copy, that, that perpetuated <laughs> for many years because it was good copy, and I've even heard people say it of recent, that it was a, a bunch of Navy SEALs, because you're, you're the Navy yourself, well, right? It, it, it kept growing. We got Navy SEALs into it, and it, uh, there were a couple of SEALs there. But it was a bet? Yes. No, only, only one Navy okay. SEAL was there. There was one Marine who was at the relays, but he wasn't at the table. And you might call it the the uh, the uh, ultimate coconut wireless story, right? There you go. One that perpetuates. We call it coconut wireless. Once you hear Primo Brewery, once you hear Primo Brewery, your mind kind of fills in the blanks. Remember, this was in February, right? February of 1977. This is in February, and we were planning on doing it until the next year. In February. In February, and I'm not a person that runs right out and starts work on something. Huh? So we, we decided all the details at night, mostly at intermission when John left the table. And when by the time we came back, the people at the table... John and I, Sid and Dan Hendrickson, and said, if you do it, I'll do it. So that was settled. And then we said, will you do it, Bill? Would you do it, Bill? Those, those are the Bill. helicopters uh, probably testing their cameras for this Saturday morning when the Ironman with 2,500 athletes, professional and recreational athletes, takes off for the 40th year and the wonderful historic... 40th anniversary. 40th anniversary and the wonderful uh, uh, historic village of Kailua-Kona, where I live now. Uh, oh, I call it home just like I call Detroit home, but I've been here since the 80s, came in 1981 to do the Ironman, and we're talking with John and Judy Collins, the co-founders of the Ironman, and their daughter Kristen, and we're dispelling this myth that went out for so many years, and I love that John, what John really wants to get clear to everybody is that Judy was a big, big part of coming up with the idea. Well, our whole family had done triathlon in California. And you were an endurance athlete yourself, right? Yes. Because you swam, what, from Maui to... Uh, Lanai to Maui yes. on Mother's Day. So you were way ahead first, of your first time. Woman first, first, first woman First woman, yes. So. And John was going to do the Primo 50K. We were fans of endurance events on the mainland, and we were living on an island. We had to make our own fun. I have to say, I don't know about Michael, but... I did not do 100-mile bikes because in those days, swimmer, swim coaches did not believe in cross-training. Right. Well, People nobody really did. It was all yeah. you, right? To, to I hadn't done bring a lot of together. Yeah, I had done a lot of biking. And none of us had. I mean, the coach I had, would have had a free. Yeah. So <laughs> what, what would you like uh, our, our viewers and the listeners to know? And I love, you sent me some wonderful copy that's going to be on the, the homepage of your new website. Yes. Well, yes. one thing I wanted to say was we have thousands of volunteers here on the Big Island now for this race. And, and when we came up with the idea to connect three annual events on the island and make them one around the island. Three annual events that were on Oahu. Right. To make it an around the island triathlon, we 
said to each other, if you do it all, then I'll do it. And then our friends, the woman said to me, the husband said to John, if you do it, I'll do it. We had four. So we went like this around the table to our teammates from the Oahu Perimeter Relay. And three people right away said, I won't do it, but I'll volunteer. All right. I'll so, volunteer start yeah. early. Okay. Yes, okay. exactly. At the moment of creation, we had four who would do it and three who would volunteer. Okay. Now the ratio is way in the other direction. Okay. It's oh, yeah. Many more volunteers yes. than yeah. there are. There's a couple, two, probably two, three thousand volunteers now. Yes. And uh, I always, what I always love is all the volunteers wear shirts that designate the area they work in. I was just having held one up, and I've always been very proud of this. Every area that somebody works in, like this one is my media shirt for Saturday for the 40th anniversary. But that came from the Emily Detroit run, designating the area that people work in. And the reason we did it in Detroit was that everybody wanted to be over by the beer tent. Because oh. <laughs> we had 200 kegs of beer after our 10K. Oh. So we learned that we needed to put on the shirts where people belong, registration, or we had like very officious official, all kinds of, you know, put a lot of humor into it. So a lot of touches of the Emily Detroit run that are in Hawaii because Delray Silk in those days sent a couple people to Detroit to see how we were doing things as we were all pioneers. But you yes. were the ultimate pioneers in creating well, this. But not really. We were copying the long-distance events on the mainland, the Western States 100, okay. the, the Ride and Tie, the Pikes Peak. Well, even one. they were ultimate pioneers. Well, right? true. Yeah. But, but we were living on an island. We could do this without airfare elsewhere. Got it, got it. And so, really, you might say Iron Man, with your ideas from Detroit and ours from the long distance events on the mainland, we just. And so many people who contributed ideas. Yeah. All of us were in the early days, and just like today, there's so many people that contribute new ideas. So, you know, you got a long, um, wonderful piece that you wrote there, John. And I, I think it really tells the story nicely. But I, what I love most of all is how you say it was good copy. Somebody called you for an interview back in 1982, I think it was, right? 83. Yeah, 83. 83. It was and you were laughing here. and telling jokes. And I can just see you doing that like we all do when we're doing interviews. You know, We tend to uh, expound a little bit and tell our stories in the way that we think it makes the story yeah, a little better. Argue, and nobody's thinking about 40 years from now. <laughs>
excellent about it. He said, that's not a sporting event, that's a media event. This was in 78? Yeah. I guess <laughs> this was I can before we put it on. Yeah. yeah. So, but we got really good coverage in the local papers of Honolulu, and I've been retyping some of those stories the last few days, and I was struck that they had, are treating it like a sports event. At that time? Yes, and the first time that we ever saw a word that made it sound more than that was in something that was then called Swim, Swim Magazine, that later became Triathlete, I think. And the, and the writer said, this must be one of the most difficult endurance events in the world. And that was the, the first exaggeration we ever heard about it. Really. And, and that, that's in the first two years. Before, it was sort of a joke. But these people were in shape, looking for something new to do. It didn't seem outrageous if you'd already done those other annual events. You see? People were swimming the Molokai Channel, you know, about 20 miles. Okay. Um, everybody was looking for a new long-distance event to do in the state of Hawaii. So it just fit in with that. On, on the other hand, if it hadn't had some outrageous aspects, we wouldn't be here today with thousands and thousands of people having come here to do it. I agree. And outrageous so, doesn't mean outlandish. It just means uh, stretching the... the Raising the bar. Uh, right. Raising the there bar of what there athletes would do. It sure raised the bar for us. We went from marathoners to training for our first Ironman, and it raised the bar. And we went back and would say to people, if we can do it, you can do it. And that has been a wonderful message that the Ironman has carried for years. And in fact, there have been pro athletes, many of them in the early days that were not professional athletes. And it was really put out there as something that everybody... You know, if you set your mind to it and you train and you have to have a great support crew and family and friends yeah. and everything. Well, Emily, in Detroit, as well as in Honolulu, here are three things I remember. It was the year after the bicentennial of the U.S. There were bicycle routes clear across the country. We knew family that went across country on horses and another on bicycles. If the people didn't think they thought, why not? They just didn't think it was so difficult. So there was that, and the other thing was, it was a period of what they called LSD, long, slow distance, you remember that? Yes. And John used to say it was go gently, go long. But the thing that convinced us to do the Honolulu Marathon, the last line on the entry form said, first place record is, say, two hours and 12 minutes. The last place record is seven hours and a half. We invite you to break the record at either end. That's that's what I, we were talking about. I, I love that because we always say we're the reason that there is a cutoff time. Yes. You know, and I think you, you kind of say that too. But, <laughs> you know, because in those early days it was. So, um, again, we're speaking with John and Judy Collins, the co-founders of the Iron Man back in 1978, and their daughter, Kristen. Kristen, what do you remember from those early days? And when was your first Iron Man? And was Carol Hogan was a sports writer with the Honolulu Advertiser at that time? Uh, yes. Okay, because she and her husband rode across country on their bikes. That, that's the two I was thinking of. Okay. And then they later did, both of them did the Iron Yeah, we, we were yes. quite uh, friends with, with Bob and uh, Carol and then Ann Miller, who of course covered it for yes. many years. But Kristen, yeah. your, your memories of those well, early days. Well, I was a pretty serious swimmer. I was 17 in high school, at Radford High School. And uh, I wasn't going to be involved, like I said, but 
coaches were upset if the, anybody started swimming, running, right, you know. So I helped make the trophies the night before. I remember vividly answering the phone for about six people that called the week before to say they weren't going to do it, passing the messages to my parents. <laughs> That's when the rain started. Yeah. Okay, on that first year. The yeah. only date left on the calendar was there because it was a stormy time of year and so that's how we started out we thought well it's the iron man and i know michael your son who's doing it this week who's yes. doing his son he does he do it every five years every five years every five years because i i we have gotten together and and uh taped the show i think well about five years ago yes or maybe just a couple years ago for uh -huh. some reason you were here but it's always so great yeah. to see see you get here to the iron man and, and march in the parade and, and for people to be able to get a chance to meet you, but what was your funny. first year? The first year I did it was 1988. I was in the Navy. I was a helicopter instructor pilot in uh, northern Florida at the time. And I remember asking the skipper for some time off to come do this. And he said he thought it sounded like a... What do you call it? E-donk or? Boondoggle. Oh, a boondoggle. First of all, say that again. You were an Air Force pilot? No, Navy. I mean Navy? Navy, Navy? yes. Wow, I yes. love hearing that. At, uh, <laughs> at NAS Whiting in Milton, Florida. But the skipper didn't want to give me time off because he said he thought it was a boondoggle. He never heard of it. And uh, this was 88 and he yeah. never heard I, of it. I trained by bicycling to work and it was Florida, so it was good weather for training. And uh, I came out here and did it. 1988, and uh, with the other some other military people, they had a, a, a end up having a category for military. I remember people. that. Yeah. Well, see, that was it's 10 years surprise. after it started, and people still didn't quite grasp what yeah. a sporting event. That's Absolutely. that's what's so amazing about how the sport has evolved, not just in the equipment, but just in people understanding what they can do, and they think of it as a as a race now. You know, not like a long yeah. distance endurance <laughs> contest. Yes. Now it's a lot different than it was in those days when we did it, because we didn't have eight stations every mile and. Didn't have fancy right. bikes and everything else. I always say I think it was a lot tougher then. I, I, I took the kicks too. It's okay. <laughs> and, and we, we carry things on our back. The reason you had to self-support, the hard part about getting people to sign up was you had to get someone to commit for almost, say, 20 hours, we didn't yep. know, to support you. And no one wanted to do that. You have to be a really good friend to sure. do that. Our support crew was the Kuretake Ohana, who we met. I think he, I gave you some of their coffee last year. I yes, forgot to bring it today, wonderful. but I'll get some more uh -huh. to you. Well, too bad Mike's not here because he did the second year. Okay. He had the, I guess he was the youngest for a while, and the longest. What was his time? 24 hours. Just enough. Again, he finished just in time to get to uh, his, his homeroom class. Right. Is and, that what and, I remember? And, right. And, and his support crew didn't show up. Um, we, we went down to cancel it the second day in the row because the boats to lifeguard the swim course couldn't get out of home port. And that's, without a boat, we were illegal to be running this event offshore in Waikiki. It and was the weather, of, right? No, no. It was just, it, the weather was fine. And he was on the north shore and the wind was from the north. But, so but it was too, the boats. Okay, boats. So, okay. so the boats couldn't get there, and that was a requirement of the Coast Guard permit. And one of the athletes who was all ready to go had already been delayed a day. The athletes were really twitchy. He came running up and he said, Judy, go down to the Outwigger Canoe Club. They have a boat and a driver. See if they will 
do it for the Iron Man. And I went running down there, and this guy said, oh, sure, I'll, I'll monitor this one And that gave us. Michael time to get to the start line. I said, I'm calling Michael. And I said, Michael, I'll delay the start till 8 o'clock. If you can get down here, just take the car and call your support crew and tell them to come by and pick up the bike. And the support crew picked up my bike. Oh, no. <laughs> not ready for racing. Okay. No spares. Well, most of them weren't ready for racing. We were using them in right, those days, Michael right? had his all loaded out, right? So, you know, the, I think the whole the thing of you wanting to sort of clarify to everybody the real history of, of how it all started, and at the same time, it's understandable how that myth kept perpetuating about people sitting in a bar and challenging each other because... It just did. It caught. It, it caught. Uh, and the story's everybody's, more complicated. Everybody's imagination, and yeah. we all added to it. And, and the like press it. likes simple stories too, right? Yeah. This is kind of complicated. Yes, this happened. This happened. Yeah, you know? it's much easier yeah. to say a bunch of people were in a bar challenging each other. But nevertheless, whatever the the uh, the beginnings of the story of how it all started, what a wonderful feeling it must be for you. 40 years later, I know sometimes we've talked and you said you feel a little bit detached from it because it's gotten so big and it's not quite what it was in the old days. I think we all, all of us that did it in the old days feel a little bit that way. Nevertheless, yes, you still have to yeah. be excited for every athlete that's oh. here. I All day long, I've been telling people I walk by, have a good day Saturday. It, and you know that for them, it's, it's, it's is. a chance of a lifetime. It, it's, it's very exciting and moving to talk to the individual athletes because you can say, you know, how did you get interested in Ironman? Where did you qualify? And what so kind on. of bike do you have? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, that is fascinating. It's the sheer numbers. It's hard to react to that. And we were just a small part of the chain of people like you and Val, everybody who who helped the sport grow. Yeah. Well, you might say small part of it, but you know, it's the foundation of any event that makes it easier for people to maintain and grow an event you've got to have a good foundation and you have to have something that has i think comes from the heart and, that, and it true. came from the heart when you did those first did. Angel Iron we were, Man, and we you were. kept that you kept that feeling every time anybody met you over the years and and there's something we have to remember when we say that everything was better 40 years ago 40 years ago we were all 40 years younger <laughs> How did I ever do that? But it was the uh, a highlight of my life because it really told me what a lot of these athletes are going to find out on Saturday was they can do anything. Yes. Because when you cross that finish line, but I say that to people that are doing their first 10K, their first 5K, exactly. going out for their first walk around the block after losing some weight or wanting to lose some weight, whatever yes. it is that gets people moving and taking better care of themselves. Some go to the a, a bigger extreme, raise the bar, and come and do the Ironman. But they yes. have to qualify for it. Well, so I know run. I'm inspired. I think I'm going to start a five-year plan. I'm even inspired. Jack Scaff had said to us on the first day of the Honolulu Marathon thing, now he started that to rehabilitate heart patients. He was a cardiologist. And he said this, and this was the other thing that really tickled me. If you are a human being, you do what I say, you can run a marathon in nine months. Wow. I qualified. We looked at each other. We're human beings. And we, we did it. Tell yeah. me the marathon clinic? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and yeah. I think it's wonderful that what started as an amateur event ended up becoming a profit-making event, which has 
enabled it to be close to so many people all over the world in so many countries. And those human beings who have the luxury of being able to use sport to do their work have discovered they were born with that capacity for endurance too. Well, a perfect example would be the way you uh, were involved creating a triathlon in Panama. Yes, we saw you know, we saw the miracle happen again. Totally out of nobody's consciousness of doing something, and you. Well, that the purpose of that triathlon was to show was to show the government and the people in Panama what triathlon was, and to show the world what Panama was. And it, uh, two years in a row, we got inside triathlon, got on the top ten toughest in the world.
You want to read that paragraph? Uh, say any account that does not begin, end, or hinge on the challenge is considered heresy, and I have to accept the responsibility for that. Later, we did tell the story of the two founders, but by that time, the original story and quote were out there, and normally the reporter's eyes would glaze over about the second line because they'd already written the story. They were just looking for a lead to do, looking for a quote to drop into it. So it grew and it grew and it grew, and now it's 40 years old. And we're excited that this year we kept thinking everybody, particularly in Kona, was operating with a script, and we didn't know what the script was. So we would give answers, and people would just sort of ignore it. And then we'd say something, and they'd say, oh, and they, and we kept thinking they know something that we don't know. We found it out this year. Kona program in 82 had challenge, all in big letters. And in 83, it had this, this very long, involved interview that discussed many of the things we had done in our five years in Oahu, but they really didn't have much to do with the Ironman. Interesting. I'm, I've got those programs from 82 and do 83. You? Yes. I should have asked I'm you. I'm going to look them up, get in there and, and, and check them out. But I think it's wonderful that you want to sort of set the record straight and that, you know, Judy's right in there with you with the with the concept well, you know fact-checking is all the rage right now yes. <laughs> we'll start our website well something more interesting is three of the best riders in the field of triathlon entered the event in 1982 and 1983 so that would so be that would dave be, scott well it would be scott tinley okay. and bob babbitt and mike plant all were early riders in the sport and and they were in those races. That was eighty one? No, that was eighty two and eighty three. We sat with Scott Tinley at the dinner down at the corner surf. Oh, did uh, you? Pooh and I. Just a, a, I think the four of us, he and his wife or his girlfriend at the time. And he was one of the few that wore kind of a little more sophisticated clothing. The rest of us <laughs> right people weren't wearing uh, What's sophisticated? Well in, uh, bike in like Kona. bike pants and and things like that. People weren't really wearing. I think Ian Jackson was the first one showed up with a white Tribex suit on or something. And people were like, what is that? Well, that's interesting because one of the myths is that people were ill-dressed and so on. Well, we were wearing what you wore in the for 70s. bicycling sure. in the 70s and in Hawaii. And we went like this, like you can do on phones now, to try to see what John had on for bicycle shorts in 78. It was the wool knit with a chamois. Uh, oh, sure. We did, too. Yeah. I still have those. Yes. I still have those. <laughs> because my, they're so good. Yeah. I also, we wore our Say Nice Things About Detroit shirts, Pooh and I, because we were trying to spread that message. And uh, fortunately, I, I was on part of the ABC Wide World of Sports that year. And that was the year that Diana Nyad, yes. uh, the swimmer, mm -hmm. who was uh, doing the commentary along with Jim Lampley. And I think it's important to point out that even in those days, we actually, as we came from Javi on our bikes, we turned into Hapuna, uh, Hapuna Park. You did. On the beach, and we got on a doctor scale. We lined up, got on a doctor oh. scale, and the theme was that if you lost 15% of your body weight, you had to drop out of the race because nobody knew anything in those uh, days about well, what was going to happen. They did that in California. Uh, and, yeah. And that, uh, that had come from the. Uh, that had come from a. Uh, 
not the Western States 100. But the riding tie, the, right? Not the, uh, yeah, the riding tie, uh, where okay. they were weighing the horses oh, to no make kidding. sure they weren't dehydrated. <laughs> oh, I can remember, alternated horseback I can remember riding. us sitting at the picnic table with Diane and I and telling jokes as a way to just sort of delay our having to get back on our bikes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that was a break on the bicycle? Well, it was, it was included in your time, but you did line up. You know, there, there were three or four people ahead of us, but you got on the doctor's scale, a big... Dr. Scale, and they slid the little bar across, you know. To and everybody joked that you could just undo your water bottle or put a water yeah. bottle well, in your shorts. Yeah, well, her weighed 190 shorts. pounds. It wasn't like he was going to lose 19 pounds from yeah. Javi to, to Hapuna okay, Beach. What year was this? What? That was in 81, I wow. think. That was in 81. Yeah. Did they stop wow. at the next year? I, I must have. I don't yes. What they I do remember, though, was it was on Valentine's Tower. Day. One of them yes. was on Valentine's Day, and they changed that to October so that people were training in warmer weather, and it just fit the cycle better. But it was Valentine's Day, and the aid station was a little tiny card table. One of them was, and there was two ladies in trench coats. And since Herb and I were one of the few couples doing the Iron Man, and one of the first in those early days, they had made us a little Valentine's cake. Oh, and we sat oh, there really? and we sat there and ate it as another way to delay our right. having to get back on the bike. Now, so that's that's the the love and aloha that Val brought to the race and all the volunteers. It must be something about the Big Island because John and I were much more no nonsense. We treated it like a, a swim meet. Right, or a run. Well, because you were involved in those clubs in, in a while. Yes, so. except that we did spend, uh, have the awards ceremony, the dockside of the Hokulea, okay. which was the Polynesian double-hulled yeah. sailing vessel, and it meant nothing, believe me, to the triathletes. They just wanted their shirts and their sure. awards, and that's when we first learned that, that all these ceremonies that you have sometimes... Um, they mean more to you than they do Absolutely. to the athlete who just wants And of course, Valerie wasn't an athlete, so she, it was all new to her, so she was reaching out to any of us that could, could, could mentor her, and that's what we were doing, many of us, we were mentoring her. She was a great leader because she was willing to be mentored and was like a sponge when we would provide information. Well, the idea of closing off the highway was brilliant. We that's, had, yeah. that's what made Oahu we had, hard. We had three goals. The first goal was that nobody got hurt or even worse killed. And the second thing, the second goal was that we didn't get ruled off the turf, kept off the highways the next year, get shut down by the local authorities because we were bothering people too much. And what was the third thing? If well, you, third if thing you were is excited, that, we didn't, that we didn't get sued. That's right. Okay. And, and the deal, we had learned this from the Around the Island Relay. The deal was if any person reported that you had annoyed them, then that was grounds for not giving you permission to have the event the next year. And John came up with a sentence that said, if you are cited by a policeman, you're, it's an automatic DQ. Oh, wow. Well, okay. Or yeah. Well, what I remember is reading a story in uh, Sports Illustrated by Barry, no, Kenny Barry Moore, McDermott. Barry McDermott. McDermott. And mm -hmm. we were coming back from the Honolulu Marathon where we had been promoting the Emily Detroit run. And we read that, that story by Barry McDermott. Of, he happened to be, he was with ABC, I think, at the time. No, or, he was with uh, Sports, he Sports was Illustrated. Sports right, Illustrated. right. He was out golf. to cover a golf tournament. Right. And, and he got, stopped at a light or something and ended up writing the story about the Iron Man. And that's how we decided 
because everything we did was as a promotion. We came to the Honolulu Marathon to promote the Emily Detroit oh, Run. Oh, really? We put a, a, a Ford convertible in front of the Hyatt and put a decal on it. People thought we shipped the car over to Honolulu. <laughs> but those were the early days of guerrilla marketing, right? And so we thought and, to ourselves... And, and you came from Detroit, right? and this was and we, December. <laughs> yes, and we thought to ourselves, well, we can turn that into a promotion, which we did. We had everybody in the city of Detroit, not everybody, but we put it out there that people could guess our finishing time. And the winner, the idea. next year, won an all expense paid trip here to Hawaii to work in the press room at the Ironman, drive a Ford convertible all week that we got from Cutter Ford, I think. Yes, yes. And uh, just enjoy, see what the Ironman was all about. And we I had think a, you're one of the original influencers. We were, oh, we, yes. we had a lot of influence, but I, I'm hearing the, the music and some of the sounds starting to come from the Carbo oh, yes. Party where you're headed tonight, and I know there's a couple thousand people or more back behind the King Kamehameha Kona Beach Hotel, the Marriott right here, Marietta Courtyard, where people are enjoying the 40th anniversary of the Ironman Triathlon here in the historic village of Kailua Kona. We're with John and Judy Collins. It's just been such a delight. The co-founders of the Ironman and their daughter, Kristen. We wish Michael the best as he prepares for his every five-year getting in that water, you know, yes. and it's hard to believe that there were just a couple hundred back in those days, and tomorrow, or Saturday, there'll be 2,500 athletes taking off, but some last thoughts to our, our viewers and listeners? Uh, everybody who does an Ironman on the entire planet is, is tracing the route outside the reef at Waikiki, where Duke Kahanamoku won gold for the U.S., I mean, he trained and later in 1912 won a gold at the Olympics for swimming. And that just gives me goosebumps to think we're connected to those home waters in Hawaii. That's that's what inspired people to put on a Waikiki rough water swim was Duke Hanamoku. As he inspired people to do so much. Yes, yes. And right? so that... that that is part of, of the Hawaiian part. Well, of the I appreciate Ironman. that you mentioned that. We're over here by the pier, just going to turn this a little bit to get. That's where the start of the race is going to be over there. And it's going to be a very exciting weekend. It's already an exciting week. John, some last thoughts to our viewers well, and listeners. In 1979, I tried to get a little help to help us put it on <clears throat> because we lost $25 the first year. And I wanted to make that back. And I was told by the Visitors Bureau that no, because the people that we had coming would probably borrow a bicycle and sleep on somebody's floor and they wouldn't have any economic impact. <laughs> well, you know... They were sleeping bag type Yeah, people. I think we all experienced a lot of that in the early days uh, with uh, convention bureaus not understanding that sports were a great reason, uh, destination. Yes. For people traveling all over the world. And, you know, that that's that's fairly recent, really, to, to even a, and even a sports in Panama, commission. Even in Panama, yeah. it happened at that families say to the person in the family who wants to do an Ironman, the families pick the location because it's the family vacation now. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, that to me is... is the estimate is 30,000 people will be in, in the historic Kailua Village this weekend. Oh, my goodness. Uh, oh, my gosh. As a result Where of the Ironman. They? <laughs> they're out there. Yeah, here's, an, here's an idea for any airline that wants it, and that is that you put up a prize, and that is that the first finisher, male and female, that flew here on their airline gets their ticket money back. I think that's a great idea. I, 
you know, there's so many ways to just keep perpetuating the the fun yes, aspect that's right. of it. You that's, know? That's, that's like say nice things about Detroit. Exactly. It's a wonderful gimmick that just makes people happy. And here. it's 40 years later and it's going strong in Detroit. I actually pull up the stoplights and people will wave their arm and say, Emily, you started all this because <laughs> great things are happening in Detroit. Kristen, some last comments to our viewers or listeners? No, it's just, it's amazing how many people are here. It's just, and I talk to people and, and I ask them where they got qualified and everybody's so excited. I just, I just love that energy. Well, I love your energy. I love that you take the time to meet up with me and that we've stayed in touch all these years as friends. I have such admiration for all of you, everything that you've done over the years from you've been sailors and all kinds of things, right? Yeah, that's that's right. how you ended up in Panama, wasn't it? Right. We no. sailed from California to Panama intending to continue on across the Atlantic and we fell in love with what we call a Hawaii Yuga drive to. And we and so we Panama. ended up driving our VW van, the same one we had at the finish line for Iron Man. Oh, I love 50 that. years old this year. And we have ended up driving from the U.S. to Panama three times, about 4,400 miles. And it really is a, a Hawaii you can drive to. And it's a great training ground for Kona. And there's a rule, and that is try not to make any mistake twice, but try to make every mistake once. Yeah, because really, it's the mistakes we learn from, isn't it? Yes. It's not, not from what goes well, it's what doesn't go so well. So life is all about learning what we don't want to do and learning how not to do the things that didn't quite work. <laughs> so it's the Emily TKL Talk Story Show. And again, it's been John and Judy Collins, co-founders of the Iron Man, and Kristen Collins. What a delight to see the two of you. And there's probably two, 3,000 people back behind the hotel there for the Carbo Party. We better hurry. Yeah, and I know they want to see you. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. We all 